Welcome back to the Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. I'm Duncan. I'm Darren. And today, uh, we're going to talk to you about switch mode versus linear power supplies. We're going to talk about what makes them, what are they made of, how do they work, um, where do you find kind of each type, um, you know, and, and why that's important, why it's used that way. And, and we'll probably wrap up with, uh, with maybe some, some opinion takes on what we like better for what application. Um, but, uh, before we get into that, uh, what's been going on with you audio wise? So, uh, so I've been, I have a, I have a den listening room. That's kind of a smaller listening room. That's dedicated to my, um, my two-way loudspeakers. Yeah, you have two listening rooms, right? Yeah, right now, that's right. Uh, I have a, oh, a the larger, life. <laughs> <laughs> the larger listening room that has the large Dunlavies. Yeah, and then I have the um, a smaller listening room that's dedicated towards um, um, two-way loudspeakers and you know, kind of a more intimate, more intimate, more intimate. And right uh, now, your your main listening room is where all your big components are, right? You have yeah, and it's huge. Ra- currently like under construction, stuff. and I'm waiting for a bunch right. of uh, uh, racks and stuff to show up. Um, so, oh, but you just got a whole shipment of your isoacoustics feet. I just got this. a bunch of isoacoustics. <laughs> Send me and, a picture uh, with like fourteen of these, like Gaia feet, or are they Orbea? That's right. Maybe, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, they're the they're the nice kind of like isolator puck from the puck thing. I, I, isoacoustics right. and, um, you know, I there's just a company that are they're they're really really great. Um, yeah. and isolation is super important, and if it's got a tube in it, it's even more important, of course. Now we're not sponsored um, by isoacoustics. No, but if, we're not. If anyone from isoacoustics is listening. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. any executives from isoacoustics? <laughs> uh, All right, yeah, pick us up. Um, but uh, but anyway, so I've been uh, having I have the Harbeth thirty point two um, anniversary edition. Yeah, that's been that's been the speaker that's been in this den r- listening room, and um, and I've just recently moved back to the P three ESR, which is a much smaller monitor from Harbeth. Oh, it's tiny. and uh and it's just you know it's got its own magic and it's just so fun to yeah you know be able to like transition between these speakers and and listen to the pros and cons of each one and you know the p3 is a special one in my heart by just the magical characteristics that it possesses specifically in the mid-band and its imaging capability. Yeah, we talked about it a little last week where I was talking about how I'm just constantly surprised at the sound of that thing. So diminutive in size, you just you don't expect it to do the things it does. But by the way, we got some whippersnippers in the background. This is a pretty cold day. What was it? High of 18 degrees here today, and that was even... Yeah, so Higher yeah, I have forecast. a we're kind of in the kitchen right now and we're near the the den and the den and the kitchen share a fireplace and so it's been pretty cold and so we have a fire fire popping away here. Crackling. And uh and I, I'm kinda, you know, apprehensive about this topic when you brought it up, you know, but I don't know about talking about power supplies with all the crackling and the popping. Right? <laughs> Too much it's noise. It's not something right? you wanna Too much noise. Noise to but also noise when a, a cat pops or something, it's a little bit like that. So Oh man. If at, a cap's reversed or something. At I work just, we deal with a lot of bubble wrap and people will like you'll be 
in you know hands into something some component and somebody would just pop one really loud and you think it's something you did in some you know it's very expensive amplifier freaks us out all the time yeah i'm trained as an engineer i don't like to hear that i don't like to be talking about power <laughs> supplies and hear that sound. i mean because some of these crackles are pretty loud yeah Every now and then right. you get a big pop yeah and I just, I don't like it. All right, so you're enjoying your P3s right now, but you kind of do the switcherooski sometimes? Uh, yeah, so I just like to switch things up, and especially this room where you have, a, you know, a different monitors. I also have a the DM1 monitor, which was like the first yeah, speaker, speaker that, that you and I worked on. and um, designed. And, uh, and so I like to switch stuff up, but it's it's really interesting going from such a, you know, a larger, more expensive speaker down to basically what's a mini monitor. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just kind of enjoying the pros and cons. Um, overall, I do find that the 30.2 is a much more realistic sound. Um, it's a little bit more boxy. It doesn't disappear as well as the P3 does. It's got a much bigger baffle compared larger to, the, baffle. to the drivers, right? Yep. I mean, the and, P3's and the larger speed larger um driver itself yeah yeah um so uh so you know i it's just i i love that i love just kind of switching it up and just even if it's something that's much um lower cost uh i love kind of just uh finding out what's special about it it's not like super cheap the p3s they're they kind of yeah imply by the price that you're you're paying for some engineering here it's oh absolutely this is a serious speaker it's not yeah they the, these came in. Deal. These came in at around um, uh, around twenty twenty four hundred at the yeah, time. Now now like they that. have the XD that yeah. just came out yeah. that I think is uh, it's it's more money. I read about the um, XD. Most of the designs of the line didn't change much. Um, basically, it was a way for them to continue a lot of what they did with the anniversary models, but and those limited productions of those anniversaries because they were intended to be limited and so i understand now um we actually at at work tmr uh the music room uh by the way i'm duncan i work at the music room which is the um an online reseller of high-end audio gear gear the world's largest really and uh you are darren and you're a senior uh, analog design engineer at ps audio Mm -hmm. so uh at the music room, we just became Harbeth dealers, which is really fun. Yeah, that's and this great. is interesting. Uh, Darren and I have been Harbeth guys for a while, and but both of us have experienced so many speakers. And this is not to say they're they're the best ever, as we know in audio. That's kind of there's a lot of flavors out there. Um, but you've owned a good number of speakers, and and you you're pretty solidly a Harbeth guy. Yeah, uh, I am. I mean, I you know it's uh, down from the the voicing to the picking the actual driver itself. I, Alan Shaw does such a good job. Yeah. Um, they're generally the only the only bad thing I have to say about Harveth is that they're they are a lot more money than they are in Europe. Um, that is that is uh, true. Yes. Um, and so, even though they're they're still a great deal here, they're a lot cheaper in Europe. Yeah, and so that deal their here. true true understanding of how really good they are for the prices only fully realized in Europe. Gotcha. But they're still a great great deal for what you you pay here. Yeah. But um, 
but they're uh, but they're a great design. It, it, you know, they, they're one of those that strikes the the perfect balance between musicality and detail and accuracy. Mm. Um, p- picking a, just a, a perfect, striking a, a perfect balance in that. Mm. Um, and Alan Alan does such a good job, and he he's definitely a guy I look up to mm. uh, as far as for speaker design. Yeah, and crossword um, design, I'm sure. So, uh, well, so cool. I think we we have a um, we have a, 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 a email question. Yeah, so uh, we're starting this new feature of the show um, where you guys, uh, all you listeners out there, can get involved and uh, send us a question. Darren's a very experienced engineer, and uh, I listen to a lot of stuff and have some opinions, but um, we we love uh, hearing back from you guys and. Um, we've been appreciating all the feedback so far. Um, so if you have a question and uh, want to submit it to the podcast and have us talk about it, uh, send your question to hi-fi at outlook.com. And uh, don't forget to let us know where you're from. Um, that's just, I guess, interesting to us. But we'll sh- we'll share uh, your your email and on the show. And um, so uh, I think we got... We got one good one. We got a couple of uh, questions. A couple of them we'll have to, I think, follow up to get more specifics um, about what exactly uh, these guys were were asking before we uh, approach it. But this one comes from Robert Calloway um, by email. And Robert asks, uh, Robert writes, hey, guys, uh, love the podcast. Quick question. Um, if you do, you have an opinion on spade versus banana connectors? So that's the question. So I'll let you you start with that one. Yeah. Well, I <clears throat> first I I think that there's a uh, point of of convenience, um, and uh, bananas are a lot more convenient, and you can switch them in and out a lot quicker. So for you and I, uh. uh we we probably prefer in our jobs we prefer bananas right yeah it's just quick because it's so quick and, yeah. and it's easy um and uh spades are are a a challenge to put on they're not always compatible with every component there's so many sizes there are different spades. different sizes of spades yeah. exactly um clearances with spades can be an issue sometimes um uh but at the min- minimum you're talking about a very uh, sometimes just a very difficult hookup procedure that can take many times the time <clears throat> of hooking a banana connector into right. a uh, binding post. So um, convenience, it's that banana wins. Um, for conductivity and the uh, lower, like the lowest amount of resistance. Yeah. It, it, the spade wins. Yeah. Um, and this is because of a few reasons. One of those reasons is that the overall surface area on the spade is, is generally uh, rivaling the, the banana or is slightly or more yeah. than the b- uh-huh. banana. Um, many times it might be about the same as the banana, but there's a huge but to this. The force that you can Clamping actually yeah. clamp down on it is way higher. And right. Because the crystalline structure of the metals, um, it, it's uh, you, you, you're, you'd be surprised with how much uh, contact between a metal and metal is actually just air. 
right um yeah. because of the two crystalline structures it, d- it really does depend on the the crystalline structure of the metal itself that you're touching with the other metal that's yeah. why it's, it's nice to have the same metal that's touching yeah me- right um but um but given that general crystalline structures allow for a lot of air between it um a lot of clamping pressure can actually reduce the resistance of yeah. the connection yeah and so what we find is that a lot of the losses in a cable can actually be attributed to the actual connection itself. Like the connection is very lossy. And I've heard that, you know, um, a, a lot of the magic of some cables is just really excellent connectors. And that can be from intelligent clamping design. And there can be locking bananas. I use locking bananas a lot. Yeah. But if you think about it, a standard banana that's not BFA... Um, it's got this kind of balloon shape. So, so it's like the height of the balloon is what c- contacts the barrel inside it, right? Mm-hmm. Then if you have a locking conduct, conduct, uh, bear, uh, banana, it's done by a pin inserted. Like the, the main banana is split, so there's a, and it's closed, so then the pin splits it outward inside. So then you're getting some more surface area than normal, but it's just really at the end where that pin is, is forcing it out. Um, in a spade, you can just get almost the entire, you know, the whole thing connect, yeah. connect. And there's newer kind of spades that have a slightly compressible material between two spades, two really thin spades, so that uh, you, when you crank it down, it exerts a force backwards against the the um, the binding post. So it will actually like increase that that uh, that clamping pressure. So. Cool. Yeah, I, uh, I feel the same way. I, I like the speed of bananas, but uh, yeah, if I'm listening to a good component, actually, a lot of times they'll have those really cool Cardas, you know, locking um, binding posts that have the mm-hmm. they both go down at the same time, and yep. you have to set it up right so that they they hit at the same time. But there's just something really satisfying about how much force you can really crank down on that thing. Yeah. Right. Right. And then you're right about the clearance because spade comes from an angle. So you got to be able to... Yeah, you got to have room yeah. to come in at that angle that is basically, um, uh, you know, parallel to the back panel. Yeah. So um, so for when, I, when I'm listening to something good, I actually like take the bananas off and I, yeah. I use spades. Yeah, yeah so my, my recommendation is that if it's going to be a, um, like a long-term uh, installation, installation that and you're ordering you know from audio quest or something to to probably demand spades yeah um but if you're someone like me in the den system where i'm switching speakers out weekly and changing them you might want to consider banana just because it's so much easier i have one more thing to say the well so there's bfa banana you know that has that zipper z down the down the side and those are constructed to be the whole thing is like a spring so you actually can get like a lot of connection that way you know and it's Mm. actually a pretty low impedance uh connection um my whole problem with that whole thing is the same reason okay at work one of my greatest joys and we're in america by the way it's one of my greatest joys is to pull out and throw away Banana plug hole plugs. And it's hard to like say sometimes. Okay. Banana plug hole plugs. Okay. In Europe, yeah. 
the uh is it the shuko uh connector that has those two pins Mm -hmm. it's the shuko i think it's from the shuko but i could be wrong but i know this is a safety thing it's because people see those and they think that you're supposed to plug power into those somehow somebody got electrocuted somewhere along the line that causes it to be it's either an eu thing i think it's an eu thing where it's a safety procedure where all the banana plugs have to be plugged with a piece of plastic yes it it is it is a yeah even with speakers when you ship speakers they have to be they have to be plugged yeah and people leave those in and i just take them out because there's no Firstly, it makes me angry because I'm trying to plug this thing in. You can't, there's no holes and they call it a five-way binding post and it's not because I can't put my bananas in there, you know, and some of them are really hard to get out. You know, some, um, uh, Dynaudio speakers, you have to really, I've developed all these little tools. Like I have this tiny screwdriver. Its only job is to just lever those things out of banana plugs and it just brings me singular joy. So it's a little funny (laughs) side note, I guess, but well, I, I hope we answered your question. Yeah. Thanks for writing, uh, Robert. And, uh, yeah, anybody else, uh, please, uh, we were trying to build this section up and we, uh, we hope you have some questions out there that you want to Send in hi-fi at outlook.com. And we'll, that email is actually on our contact section of our website, which is uh, podcast.net. Yep. So, um, power supplies. Let's get into the main topic here. Yeah, yeah so um, switching versus linear power supplies. So, I guess let's start by, like, defining them and, like, how yeah. are, what's, what are they made of? Sure. Um, um, so, a, a linear power supply is... Uh, your traditional power supply that's been used for you know many decades now my understanding of it is um, pretty simple ingredients right transformer rectifier uh filter capacitors regulator yeah and so uh yeah you you got that you got that right um uh you know the regulator is generally used for you know lower power power supplies where a lot of linear power supplies that are used for, you know, your amp rails for a power amplifier is actually unregulated. Unregulated. And so you would just going to ask you that. You would just have the transformer, the um, rectifier, and the smoothing capacitors. Okay, I was going to ask you that. Um, because a lot of basic, when you see an amp schematic, you don't always see a regulator in there. It's kind of more modern thing yeah. where you, you might see that. And I guess that's a good point. You don't see it with very high, like higher what does it be higher voltage or higher current sections for for for, i'm sorry for what oh sections of the power supply so you're saying like would it be higher current or higher voltage oh uh, both yeah higher power yeah yeah so both higher voltage and current okay Okay. yep um so uh so you know uh the way that that works is it's a very traditional way it's a lot simpler than a switch mode power supply yeah seems you, simple. you're you're stuck with this basically this massive transformer let's just say that it's for a power amp let's just use okay. it in the high power terms okay you're you're going to deal with a, a pretty large transformer like you're used to seeing in a lot of power amplifiers um and i'll talk a little bit more about why you know the the, the transformer has to be that size but but basically for let's say like a uh let's say 500 watts you're dealing with maybe like a you know a 5 inch transformer in diameter by maybe two and a half tall 
And um, these things are measured by their volt amps, right? So like a 750 VA, maybe? Yeah, it, it measured in volt amps to um, to deal with, uh, to get around power factor. So it, it takes that out of a question, out of the uh, uh, picture so that it's just, you're just talking about basically the volts and the amps. Okay. Um, you're not worried about how those two are alignment phase wise. Okay. So, um, so, you know, that, that basically would change depending on the load of that you have on that transformer, for instance. Okay. But, um, but so anyways, then you, you go into a rectifier and a rectifier is a, a, a configuration of diodes Yeah. that, uh, to kind of sum it up really quickly make sure that current only flows in a certain direction at only a certain in a certain period of time and what it does is if you imagine like a sine wave yeah it's going to flip all the negative portion and mirror it over the x axis okay okay so take take all the negative points um in the sine wave like draw the line down the zero the the actual ax- the x axis so it goes up and then flat and then up and then flat yeah and then so now take the negative and flip it and mirror it over so that now it's... Oh, it's double. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so that's why, oh. that's why um, uh, you know, your wall frequency is 60 hertz. But yeah. uh, what's coming out of a rectifier, the rip, what we call um, a, a ripple... Oh, it's 120. Is, is actually 120 hertz. That's why you were saying that the ripple is 120 when mm-hmm. we were briefly talking about that. Yes, in exactly. Podcast. So gotcha. your, your main, your, you know, the main frequency coming off the rectifier is 120 hertz. Gotcha. And that's the reason is that it's the, the diodes are only conducting in the positive, in the positive way. So it actually just flips, it flips it all around. And this sets you up for DC because now you're, you, you're so right after a rectifier, it would appear like you just did what I described. You you took the negative portion of the sine wave and you mirrored it over the x-axis. Gotcha. And and so now you're dealing with this, you know, what looks to be kind of like mountains um, at 120 hertz. Now, uh, sorry to derail you uh, briefly, but um, a diode. Just to explain a diode, it just allows voltage to go one way only right uh current current to yep. go one way only okay that's right yeah okay so that current flow only in one direction uh once the voltage doesn't conduct the diode anymore the diode shuts off okay so if it doesn't have enough voltage to conduct and turn on it will shut off like a hard switch it's like a gate yeah kind of yes okay. like a it will it will stop the flow of current stop the flow of once you don't have okay. the correct voltage drop to turn the diode on okay um so uh so now you're dealing with these mountains yeah and ripple and when you add a capacitor on that the capacitor stops that change um the 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 rate of change and so it fights against the rate of change. So it starts to store the energy. Okay. And so what happens then is that you have, um, you're going to start to see the, the valleys in, the, in that mountain side Reduce. start to, to fill in. Smooth out. And so now you just see like a small 120 hertz, what we call ripple. Well, and that's how I understand a capacitor uh, as it's used in this way is um, 
it's like kind of like a reservoir say like you had this little stream flowing into like a little reservoir and then the reservoir is flowing a stream out and the input is kind of like higher flow than lower flow than higher flow than lower flow higher flow over time it's filling roughly the same amount the same steady amount to this big reservoir but the outflow of the reservoir can be perfectly controlled and drip yeah, the I'm, same I'm amount. Not, I'm not crazy about that mindset because it points that, it, that points to that the capacitor is like a series device and it's actually like a parallel device. Oh, okay. In this, in decoupling, in uh, this kind of situation. I guess that's true. You see what I mean? Like, smoothing there capacitor is no, you put across the... Yeah, the, so there is no input and there's okay, no output okay. in this configuration. It's just across the output. Gotcha. And so what it does is it slows everything down. And what is often used in linear power supplies is a uh is is actually a re- what's called a regulator after that and so the okay. the smoothing capacitors are to essentially make the 120 hertz you know ripple yeah closer to dc and remove a little bit of the actual component charge and fill in the valleys um also to store energy, um, so any sort of quick high current pulses can actually be pulled from the capacitors themselves. Okay. Um, this kind of does like a self-regulating uh, effect um, before any regulator. Um, so what that means is that if I change, if I step the current, that the, that the voltage won't change much. That's what regulation means. Okay, it's mean, if okay. I go from zero amps to you know 0.1 amps do i see any change in the voltage because what that means is that the there's some sort of source mean. resistance okay. that's what that means mean. because of ohm's law if i see if i step the current and i see a change in an in inverse change in, in voltage where yeah. voltage starts to sag as sag current goes bit, up because that means i have source resistance and and is there res- and do you need more like storage capability? If well, if, that if we increase our capacitor, yeah, and we store more energy there, we start to lower the source resistance. And so you, then you don't. So see so the regulation becomes slightly better. Slightly, and is it and is it better to on the front before you go into a regulator if you're going to regulate it? Um, is it better to get it as smooth as you possibly can sure okay uh, not and not only that is that to to have some pre-regulation because the current because the way current works which is a current flows and we we um any sort of series device sees the same amount of current right so like if i have a series resistor before a regulator yeah. That uh, just as much current is going through that series resistor as that series regulator. The regulator. So, okay. so basically, you're going to have your cap bank after the the uh, the rectifier. After that, you're going to want to actually regulate the voltage. If this is, let's say, we're making a power supply for a um, a CD player or or a DAC or something like that. Um, Something smaller. If it's a power amplifier, we're going to stop with the power the power supply uh, uh, um, with a fil- filtering caps, yeah, and smoothing caps, because those are going to be uh, that's what's going to be basically you know making it as close to DC as possible, filtering out the 
the 120 hertz components, filling in the valleys, and storing energy and regulating that supply so that when there's a huge drum hit, the more capacitance you have there, yeah. the more steady the rails. If you, if you take away the capacitance and you pull a bunch of current, there's not going to be any reserve there, and it's going to rely on pulling it from the wall and looking from the output of the rectifier to the wall is going to have, um, you know, resistance, series resistance. So and it's, so it's going to drop, drop and you're going to see a yeah. lack in regulation. So, so that's why there's a bunch of capacitance for power in amp. a power MPC, now, a giant cap. Going to gotcha. the DAC power supply, we're going to have X amount of. We don't need as much storage capacitance now, and we're going to run it into a an actual active regulator now. And so the job of the regulator, and traditionally, there's many different types of regulators, but traditionally, um, your standard like series regulator is going to um, take in the output of the regulator. It's going to go into a uh, differential amplifier. Output of the, of the rectifier? Regulator. Okay. It's going to, the regulator is going to take, inside the regulator contains... Yeah. It contains the regulator contains like an input. Regulator looks like a transistor, right? Three, three. A lot, legs yeah. A lot of times something. it's three. Yep. Yeah. Okay. You have a um, you have an input, an output, and a control pin. Right. Kind of like okay. a tube or whatever. But inside of that regulator, what you have is you have a amplifier. Okay. And in in, in that amplifier, that amplifier is a differential amplifier. Okay. That that um, takes on, on one input, on usually the inverting input is going to, it, you're going to have the, um, the output's going to, you're going to run the output of the regulator into that. And so then on- tie it together? Uh, there, the, the um, so the way that the, the difference between the input and the output is usually like a transistor. So there's a transistor in series between its large uh, pins. Usually, like if it's a BJT, it would be the collector and the emitter. Right. Um, and then you have its control pin. Right. That is then driven by what we call an error amplifier. And okay. so the error amplifier on the inverting input has the output. Air, error amplifier, not error amplifier right i'm just trying to error to yeah. hear you okay mm -hmm. so um and then on the non-inverting input you have a reference voltage um, right and so that reference voltage is this um reference voltage that you use that is super clean it's an ideal voltage that you want to use and say hey if my output was this clean and this perfect and i i got to you know i was able to adjust that voltage to where i want it then that would be the perfect output. A clean. Where do you get that? Absolutely from? Per perfect. The um, reference voltage. Different ways. Um, some are Zener diodes um, in a basic form, um, and then more complicated and more advanced um, reference voltages is actually called a voltage reference, which is a a, a complicated um, uh, uh, design that is extremely accurate and huh. clean and okay. very low noise. So it's part of the power You can, other people use circuit. LEDs. You can use any sort of voltage source. You could technically use it. It doesn't have to source any current, really. It just has to be really steady. Steady and, and low noise. Exactly. Okay, low yeah. noise, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so you would run that into the non-inverting input. 
on this error amplifier. Okay, so if you take that and you you subtract the uh, the output, yeah, you get an uh, you get the the noise from the output inversed, and so that way, what you get to do is you get to do you add then, that to the signal and then it'll cancel. You add out? it. You add it to the signal and okay. it cancels. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a lot like, well, it's a little bit like how negative feedback works, but not it is. Really. It is feedback. Okay. It's feedback. Oh, it's so. absolutely feedback. We yeah. do the same when I design regulators because I design a lot of discrete regulators. Um, the reason I do that is that I get um, I get to pick bandwidths i get higher higher bandwidths because i can use really fancy error amplifiers that have higher slew rate higher bandwidth um and when i do analysis for that i'm looking at the same kind of stuff uh than when i make a power amplifier i'm looking i'm looking at the transient response which points towards the stability of the system which is uh which is a negative feedback um, um, quality. So yeah, you know, it's adjusting something, the it's, things. You can see a difference in its transient response, and that and you kind yeah, of like which have points an towards the the gain and phase margins gotcha. of the system, which gotcha. is pointing towards stability, right? Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I have to do stability analysis when I design discrete uh, regulators. Okay. It's it's just it's just like a, an amplifier huh. in many ways. So you're just uh, all a regulator is is usually like a follower device like like a like the that the what we call a pass device which is the transistor we talked about in the very beginning which is connected connecting the input to the output and then you have an error amplifier that is looking at the reference voltage versus uh, a fraction of the output and that adjusts the actual output voltage and then the the reg or the the error amplifier handles the correction so that you get low noise and and uh it, it low output impedance which makes the regulation good you know so a step okay. in a pulse in in current would in an ideal regulator not yield any voltage change voltage would not change a right. single bit because you've got you've got uh not only the the capacity to to deliver that current without pulling anything else from anywhere else mm-hmm. um but you've got um a, a fine error amplifier on the outside that is not making it overshoot it's making it exactly go to to what's being yep. requested yeah and there's um you know uh going back into audio history so many designers have have kind of said the regulator is in the signal path and hmm. that um w- william johnson who was the that uh, makes sense this sounds like a- an element of music as we know music is wildly varying and wildly demanding you mm-hmm. know compared to a steady dc signal actual music is insane right it's right. just like all over the place yep and uh, so uh w- william johnson who actually was the um uh, founder and the main designer in audio research. Audio research, right? He he believed that um, that his regulators uh, you should want to like listen to music through some of the components. So the air amplifier should be like music ready. 
Gotcha. And and uh, and that that's kind of a simplistic way of that's looking fun, at it in a way, but quote, it's an yeah. interesting way. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because you look at their their parts and they use a lot of audio grade parts in their power supplies. You know, they treat it like the signal path. Yeah, and. Something that I am really focused on, I don't know if I, I share the same philosophies and that it necessarily has to be audio grade, um, that maybe, you know, they have to be very high performance parts and um, maybe more so what I'd like to say is in some cases you'd want really low noise and um, high tempo parts, meaning that they don't change much with temperature and they're oh. very stable. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of like mil spec stuff in the power supply where, yeah. you know, they're they're very high quality parts, high tolerance, high temcos. Um, but when it comes down to using feedback in the power supply, that is something that affects the transient response of the mm. power supply. As you step the current and if you change current on the output of that regulator, that you're going to get harmonics associated with that. That's what that yeah. means is when you get an overshoot on on a, on a step um, of current, for instance, yeah. and you see a voltage overshoot on it. That is a um, that that is I I do believe that that's audible to that some. That winds degree. up in the music. Yeah. Well, so, as an amplifier, all we're and I guess this is used in different ways with with source devices, but we're this power supply is what we're going to modulate into what we hear. Right, I mean, this is it. This is the the building blocks. Then we apply music to it, um, and it and the amplifier uses this power and amplifier. So anything, any def, any deficiencies in performing its job, and any extra noise that it's adding, all of that gets yep. gets into the final result, and it gets amplified. Yep, and then and then and then uh, it could also possibly oscillate. Um, and there are some some designs that possibly are oscillating and um and you may never really you know hear audibly because maybe it's out of the the audible range but let's say that somebody slaps you know the wrong type of capacitor directly on the uh on the output of a linear regulator you could easily make that regulator start to oscillate and so where you have a lot of um that's the other thing i like about you know, making it your own design and, and, and making a discrete regulator is that hopefully you're going through, you know, the, the detailed process to, uh, to understand that circuit and to understand your, your margins and to understand the, the, uh, what's really important with regulators, which is the, um, the transient response of it, um, Mm. to, to understand that and to understand what the transient response is like in the circuit that you're making. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's easy to take like an LM317 and then they've made it kind of pretty universal. So I've that heard it, of that it works. Yeah. yeah, it's the most popular regu- linear regulator. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can throw a bunch of capacitance on that or whatever. You might have even like a ceramic capacitor right after it or something like that. Um, and it, it, it should be stable, you know, like I've seen them go unstable before uh so it's still possible so now you're talking about um after the regulator you've got this differential amplifier and there's a there's a tendency because you're dealing with the positive and negative right inverse and 
and normal of of a signal that that those things could start fighting with each other and like and like I don't know where the oscillation comes in. Oh, um, it's that because you have that negative feedback, yeah. that stability can occur where where you or instability can occur where you have a positive feedback loop because the phase has changed in the loop. Okay, and okay. so and so what I, all I'm saying is that it's possible even to take an uh you know a a, a fifty cent IC like a alum three seventeen and you can yeah. get it to oscillate in the right conditions. And oh, okay. So all I was saying was that um, stability is also just an important thing in all this, and to know and understand that it is stable and to understand the transient response. Uh, gotcha. It's important that the designer uh, looks at that and understands what that's like in, in their component. So it sounds to me like uh, almost everything you're saying is that it, it comes down to like no, not every linear power supply is the same. No. And just because it says it's a linear power supply doesn't mean that it's going to be either an upgrade yeah. or exactly what your component needs or or whatever yeah and so there there you know it's hard to um generalize on any of this right because there's right. so many i mean the varying so qualities and pros and cons in the quality of of linear power supplies right. linear can be dirty or it could be ultra clean right um i would argue the the cleanest yeah, um, absolutely. It, it could it's, be. It, the it can be the cleanest. Yeah. absolutely. With with a really well engineered uh, co- co- smoothing capacitor area. Yep. And a really well engineered, uh, you know, um, error amplifier yep. or, or regulation. And then another advantage is um, is is when you get into regulators, um, is that you can go into high voltage designs and you can design. You know, high feedback, um, you know, very low noise, highly regulated um, designs that use discrete components to adapt for the high voltages, like for high tube voltage. Power so, for I was going to ask if it's for tubes. Yeah, you, if you can, can do, do that. that. You can okay. make, you can scale all this stuff, mm-hmm. and specifically going into discrete components for you know making a two hundred volt power supply for for a tube. But you can do that, and it's it's common, and and it's very easy for. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say easy, but it's very it's within the the capacity of a lot of design engineers to make a solution like that and and it just be like one person doing the design. Mm. And so that kind of like leads us into some of the complications of switch mode where well first um, let's wrap up linear cuz I want to I want to do a Sure. So okay, so so basically linear power supply, you have the uh big transformer which um that uh, brings in the power that's probably directly connected to the internal internal power, and then it div- and it kind of like divides it into different areas, right? Actually, we didn't talk well, about the transformer that much. Well, no, the, the um, it depends on every power supply, but you might just let's just say that let's keep it simple. Yeah, it's just one one winding on the secondary the well, output well, or on, uh, secondary of the power transformer and. Then it goes into a bridge rectifier. So you're changing it from 
something to something else. That's why it's called a transformer. It's changed based on how many wines are on this side and how many wines are on this side. Yeah, I'm sorry. The the job of the transformer, we should have talked about that. You're right. Um, The job of the transformer is to take uh, a certain voltage in AC and transform that voltage into a different voltage. Different voltage. That's, That's about it, right? Number one. Number two... Supply isolation. I was going to say the magnetic difference between because it's not actually like it, not in connected. DC. Yeah, yeah, not in DC. It's a it's a, the, the windings are actually shorts in DC. Yeah, because it's just a coil. Right. Um, but the the nice thing is that you get isolation. Yeah. And so and so um, you know you do have some so sort of. It's like of, the first step of smoothing it out, right, or, or cleaning up the noise or something like that. No, it's it's safety is the reason why the isolation. So in order to see, the thing is, is after that transformer, everything is considered uh, what's called a secondary component. Okay. And so um, that transformer isolates from high voltages. So usually the the primary to secondary breakdown voltages have to be safety approved. Mm, Um, Okay. There's clearances involved between the primary and the secondary area because you have to realize that the primary area is usually capable of very high currents because you're you're connected directly to the wall. To the wall, yeah. You you can pull thirteen amps or something. Yeah, or a hundred really quickly. Or a hundred really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Without even tripping a breaker. Yeah. Because breakers are slow. They'll they'll pass a hundred amps no problem really quick. Right. So. So, um, so anyways, it, the, the secondary is, is seen as like the safety area where you, you have proper isolation from the primary, okay. usually 4.8 millimeters away from any primary so component. So separating us from the outside world and we're in here in our, in our fenced in area. Yep. The of, voltage is yeah, now changed it. and okay. adjusted for a circuit. If, but we, it's, if it's a two power supply, we've gone from 120 volts cause we're here in America yeah. to, uh, to to uh to 300 volts on the on the so it stepped it up stepped it up right or if we're in for a DAC we've gone from we've gone from 120 volts to 24 volts and we're going to regulate down to eventually get to maybe plus minus 15 or something like that on my uh grandfather's um diy williamson amplifier he built in 1947 it's got this partridge power transformer that has these two red leads that are actually uh clipped and sealed up and they're not used but they're red because there's 800 volts right there or that's <laughs> that's the 800 volt winding or something and it that's, wasn't uh it was a lot of volts it wasn't used in this circuit but <laughs> holy cow yes yeah, so okay they, so so then you so you have that then you bring it into the rectifier which uh which changes it uh into into this kind of warbly uh you know doubles the frequency um and and brings up uh the the lower half of this this sine wave sine wave thing. flips it up over the x flips axis so everything is positive then you uh, use capacitors to smooth that out smooth it and you can use resistors to increase the effectiveness of those capacitors yeah in creating ways. filters yep and then you run it, and then for for usually for lower power things or lower is it lower current? I mean, because I was thinking about you know, do you not have a regulator on your uh, for your power amp rails because the instantaneous needs 
would be like kind of overloading these small devices? That's a good current? question. So there's there's a a big reason why you don't have a regulator for your power amp usually. There are power amps that do have them. Okay. Um, the reason why you usually don't see a linear regulator is that in order for a regulator to turn on, um, it needs what's called a dropout voltage to be exceeded. And so every, regula- every, every linear regulator has what's called a dropout voltage. That voltage is, if you exceed the voltage, the regulator turns on. But if you go below the dropout voltage, the regulator drops out and it doesn't work anymore. Hmm. And so, um, and so, you know, there are different regulators vary on what that dropout voltage is. Like some some regulators might drop out at one point three volts. Some need five volts to turn on. What that means hmm. is that at the minimum, you have X amount of volts over that pass transistor. Yeah, and because power equals current times voltage. Um, with power amp type currents going through that, you're dissipating massive amounts of power on that one transistor. Huh. So it's super inefficient to regulate a power amp okay. line. Okay. Yeah. But for a DAC that just pulls 10 watts, uh, it's no no issue at all. Okay, I barely understood that. But I think some of our... <laughs> some <laughs> of our... Like that part. But it's, I think some of our... Uh, our heady listeners will, would be interested in this. By the way, we wanted to do uh, get a little more techie. Um, we, we're kind of, you know, we like to do the conversational topics and we like to get in depth. And in this this week, uh, we're getting pretty in depth with stuff because it's very applicable, I think, to everybody's life. Everybody has, um, you know, picks components and they're told about, you know, oh, this thing has these kind of caps or the, you know, maybe it's, it's super regulated. And, and if you ever wondered why, well, this is, this is why. Yeah. And I, you know, it is difficult. Sometimes it's difficult for me to, to, to describe this stuff. So <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's nice. I do like, like thinking it through and, you know, as a designer, you, you get so used to, you know, the things that are kind of like easy and the things that are, that are kind of, um, you don't you don't think through all the details all the time. So describing how something works in its basic form yeah. is is something that I think it's always nice to go back to. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you are because I certainly don't understand this stuff from that perspective. But I think after listening to this a little bit, I I, I do. Okay. So we, uh, we we've we've actually uh, going on this for a while. Let's let's quickly go into switch mode power supplies. Yeah. So here's a topic that, you know, I mean, hundreds of books have been written on. So so I have to kind of really generalize and um and, and try to keep it simple here. So so uh, what what the a switch mode power supply is going to the the first component that is um uh the first notable component in a switch mode power supply after the line is is going to be a bridge rectifier. So it doesn't have a transformer at the very beginning. It has a bridge rectifier. Oh, so the okay. first thing you're doing is you're, you're switching everything to DC. Okay. So it goes through the same process of, of rectifying the voltage. You have a little bit of capacitor after that voltage to make it DC-like. So you filled the gaps uh-huh. in, the, in the valley. Smooth it. And now uh-huh. you have this higher voltage 
which would usually be roughly, um, you know, the incoming voltage times 1.4, which would give you kind of the voltage roughly after that rectifier. So after that, it's going to enter a circuit that is, and this is, again, I'm kind of detailing like a single topology where there's yeah, there's just, many different types just but, generalize but generally point. what you're where you're looking at is it's going into a circuit that's called the dc chopper circuit and what this is going to do is it's going to take that dc voltage that just came from the rectifier and it's going to chop that up into a square wave and and modulate that square wave so that it's at a certain frequency that's okay. weird. It's almost like making it AC again. It is making it is making AC, uh, and this okay. is why. This is why. Yeah. And this is the whole point to switch mode power supplies. I swear you have to re- read a freaking textbook hmm. to just get this one point. So listen up. Okay. The point of a switch mode power supply. The whole point. Yeah. Is to get the transformer that that primary to secondary area. Yeah. To make it high frequency. Oh. Okay. Because there's one thing, the one magical, amazing thing that happens at high frequency is that the efficiency of the transformer goes way up. Huh. So now you're not talking about a big, heavy iron donut. You're yeah. talking about a small... Very small. A small... It could be two and a half inches by two and a half inches that would be a kilowatt. Whoa. Okay. So okay. now gotcha. you're talking about having a much smaller transformer. Well, and that was the whole point of switch modes to begin with. So we get smaller, you know, because in the past, our, our electrical yep. past, yeah, smaller and lighter. Okay. okay. So it's all, it's, it's mainly, it's a focus on the transformer here. Okay. Because, hmm. because you can have, you still have primary to secondary um, clearance yeah. in isolation. Yep. Um, but you have it at, you know, very high frequencies. Usually, let's say that you could see switch mode power supplies having a um, switching frequency. The square wave would be in the order of 100 to 125 kilohertz. One example, yeah, uh, they, they vary. Um, but, uh, but then after wow. that is what you have Compared to do Compared is- to 60, 120,000 is exactly, quite right? a jump. So that's why the transformer becomes so much smaller. Right, okay. Okay, so- now you have to rectify that. You have to rectify it again. You have to rectify it again. Oh, okay? okay, so now you're dealing with the, the switching component being at... 120,000 hertz. Double. Oh, you went through a Yeah, yeah, oh, you went through a yes. rectifier. Right, so, right, right. so it doubles again, right? Right. So it, it moves everything up. Right. Um, now, this is my last point about switch mode power supplies, okay. is now you're dealing with a, a, a cool little beautiful little thing that's happened is that it becomes a regulator in itself what you do is you have you take a little bit of the output after the rectifier that's after that transformer Mm -hmm. that then will of course have power supply caps to smooth that rectification okay you take a little bit of that send it back to the dc chopper circuit that's before the transformer oh okay okay you you, use an and what's called an optocoupler to keep the isolation there, but you run it through that. Okay. And then you have a circuit, another IC. Optocoupler sounds like light and light. Yep, light sensitive. and a transistor. That's right. Okay, it's a okay. phototransistor that's okay, in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so uh, it basically will be, uh, it's like an isolation and uh, does the same kind of thing of what a transformer would do as far as safety Separation. Okay. Yeah, and actually yeah. isolate the okay. two, the primary and the secondary. Right. You, you pass safety and all that. Safety is fair. So it's sending it back to the sending chopper. Sending it back to the DC chopper circuit. And now the DC chopper circuit gets to say, hey, what's the output voltage? And, and it says... And says uh, it says oh well I'm a you know I'm one volt low than what I want what I'm set to be so okay boost it so that I I get where I want to go and so now you have an actual regulation if you step the current the voltage will quickly start to sag and because of the frequency of the whole circuit that it's operating at very very quickly it will correct itself hmm. and so that is a regulator with feedback. And so you get a, an ability to to change the the actual um, uh, to to change the actual uh, circuit uh, voltage and adjust it so that it regulates itself. So it's really steady. Okay. It's very huh. steady. Very huh. steady. If you looked in, if you looked at the waveform when you step current on it with an oscope and you zoomed in uh, time wise enough, you could see the slight droop. But um, but with something operating on like 125k, you can imagine that the um, that the the recovery is extremely quickly. It corrects quick. it within a few cycles or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Um, I wow. mean, technically, even one cycle. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. very quick. Yeah. Very quick. Okay. Yeah. So super snappy. Um, what about um. What about like current needs or, or like from an amplifier perspective, like instantaneous, you know, requirements from the insta- the unpredictable nature of music and a big timpani drum hit? Yeah, so like there are different views on that. I, I think that the general engineering view would be that if the regulator has the capacity to correct the voltage, it also has the capacity to supply the current. That would be the, the engineering answer to that. Um uh, my answer is that um, just like the um, regulator that we talked about before, this is still negative feedback that has some sort of um, step response to it. Now, the step response might be might be slightly different than the linear regulator, but it still has yeah. the ability to overshoot. It yeah. still has the ability to still produce harmonics. To react, and it can be imprecise in certain ways. Yeah, and it it still has the ability to to have some sort of transient response related issue. Okay. Now, one of the the things that I can say generally is that a lot of audio grade linear power supplies for power amps have a lot more capacitance than a switch mode power supply does. I've definitely by, seen by, that. By I mean, um, you see these giant cap banks uh, yep. connected to those things. Yeah. And and I I think that people don't realize how much current a woofer can pull, like a 12-inch woofer, a 10-inch woofer, if you're really railing yeah. on it. How We've been much... just talking about amplification of music. We haven't been talking about load yet at all. Right, yeah. Which makes it even harder, right? Yep. Um, and so, uh, so you, you, you look, obviously there's massive advantages with the switch mode power supply. Um, it, it's more advanced. Um, the The research and the design into one it takes uh possibly possibly multiple engineers um you have the risk 
and downside of obviously RF noise, high frequency noise that's coming from that high frequency switching. Yeah. Um, uh, filtering this out can be difficult. Gotcha. Um, okay. Even linear regulators after a switch from a power supply, which is common, a lot of linear regulators don't filter out the high frequency. Okay. Um, they're they're generally like almost like short circuits at high frequency. These these regulators, a lot of standard regulators like the the LM three seventeen is really only like a one hundred kilohertz part. Huh. So if you're if you're dealing with trying to d- deal with two hundred fifty kilohertz, but remember this is a switching waveform that came from a square wave. You have higher harmonics than just that two hundred fifty kilohertz. You have a spread. So yeah, two, okay. 250, 500, uh, 750, one, one meg, okay? It, they're all showing up on so, this. So yeah, you, okay. you have to literally deal with, you know, 500 kilohertz and you're dealing with a 100 kilohertz part? No, that's not going to work. So, right. Okay, so you have to step up your game a lot. Better filtering. If you want to deal and if you want to actually filter out those components, you better have a fast regulator, linear regulator, that yeah. is able to supply it clean up that voltage and, and supply your your source with a um or your your load I should say with a um with a very clean regulated voltage. Wow, it sounds like similar to linears it's it's um it's all about a lot of the choices that you make along the line in it terms is. of the quality of a switching power supply. Yeah. And I think there's a tendency for audiophiles to immediately reach for the linear power supply if they can Mm -hmm. and that might be useful in some regards i think you just need to look at what you've already got now you could come across crappy ones too well we we all see the wall warts right yeah and and you know some of these are a different brand than the company of the thing you bought it says Mm -hmm. some brand you've never heard of and it's just like huh well this is and some of the wall warts are linear and some of them are are switch mode. A lot of them are switch mode. You, you was it? Is it the mixer that we're using? That you said, oh, that's a linear. Yeah, it's device. Heavy. Yeah, it's a it, linear. It is one. heavy. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of thought it was switching just because well, of the a, way it looks to me. No, it's probably a transformer. Yeah, I think and then you're it's right. AC in, and all the uh, the rest of that linear part is actually in in the mixer. That's probably what's going on. But hmm. but either way, I, I I guess my my point is is that. Audiophiles definitely do generalize between between switch mode and, and linear. It generally, there's a uh, people consider linear way better for audio. Yeah. The reason is is that um, almost any linear almost will be better than the worst switch mode because switch mode gets really bad. It gets really cheap. It gets really dirty. Gotcha. If it's a really basic bones design. Gotcha. But you can also make linear, or you can also make switch mode pretty clean. Pretty clean. And, and it can be very well designed, and it can be audio grade. Huh. It can be. Um, it's harder to do. It takes way more resources. Um, th- there are ways of cleaning it up. It, with, with low power applications, you can run it into a very fast linear regulator. You can use a linear regulator that has a low uh, dropout voltage, which we, we, we talked about earlier. And you can use the switch mode power supply to just ride on that dropout voltage region to limit the amount of power dissipation on the linear regulator. 
So you get the advantages of switch mode, but you get something that's very clean on the output. So there's a hmm. lot of there's a lot of designs like that. That's going to be a lot more expensive. It's yeah. you might be able to make a whole linear solution that is maybe even lower noise for um you know with less development time. So it's yeah. it's it's but really it's I, heavier and bulkier which which yep. you know in it's bigger so it increases yep. your chassis size it increases your shipping costs yep um yeah and uh but uh the the huh. linear certainly doesn't radiate as much um uh switch mode power supplies uh throw off something called emi um which is electromagnetic interference yeah um, right they We've have to go that. through a um a process to get um conformity for um uh, what's called EMC, which is electromagnetic um, uh, compliance. Okay. Um, and so, it, you know, you're going to have to go through a series of tests. So you design one of these, and a lot of these are enclosed in a chassis that or a plastic, you know, box or something like could the wall be. boards. I mean, it could be all kinds of stuff. I usually have some sort of shielding in there, but that's but what it, I was going to ask. So not, I mean, well, it, it just de- it depends on all sorts of design. Yeah, they, yeah. Generally, it would have to have some sort of shield on it because they've got to pass the conformity test, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. that's okay. right. Yeah. Okay. So, so in order, we call that radiated emissions, uh-huh. which is something where you have a, a, an antenna in an anechoic chamber, and you have to um, you have to pass and not basically you have to get this the close to it and have it not pick up you know the 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 frequency uh, or uh yeah it's a set distance away that yeah. the antenna is going to sit and and then they're going to give you limits yeah and you can't exceed those limits as far as the radiation that you're putting out gotcha in the room um and that generally will be a good uh dictator of, of how noisy the power supply is from a radiation perspective and what well, we see is that linears are dead quiet in terms of putting out, they do have EMI. small little RF sources, but they're very minimal compared to okay. compared to that. And and on that note, I'd say that it's a it's a great way to segue into, um, you know, uh, uh, two power supplies. Okay, um, I know you wanted to talk about that, and it, yeah, tube rectifiers and, or just tube power supplies. Yeah, two. I've I've seen. Uh, Steve at, at Declare talk about tube regulation. So I, I don't know what you... You can, you can do that too. Yeah. I mean, so so um, generally, a, the, the uh, rectifier, which is a, a series of, of components that we've talked a lot about today. Diodes um, we've been talking about. They, right. They, right. Are, they are diodes, yep. yes. Um, and so the, the diodes have a characteristic of a quick... Um, turn off and and turn on characteristic to them. Yeah, they they really they really are very fast in in how they operate. So when they conduct, they're conducting, and when they're not conducting, they stop and they stop conducting very quickly. Okay. Okay. What this can do is that sharp edge on right. on the point at which it conducts and it doesn't conduct, or it conducts and it doesn't conduct. Did I just say the same thing? <laughs> you did. Okay. Anyways, I meant the. By the way, this order. episode we're drinking uh, Debolt Brewing. Uh, it's from Denver. It's my. It's one of my favorite new breweries that I've heard of. Uh, an India Pale Ale called Electric Cowboy. Isn't it good? Yes. <sighs> All right. And uh, thank so, you for uh, keeping the fire um, fed here. You, yeah, man. You've been feeding. He's been feeding the fire while I'm drilling I might, out. I might these. put another one on there. Um, okay. So 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 the quick 
changes from conduct and not conduct. Yeah, so so the that, really really harsh. Yeah, on conduct, and off. Uh, yeah, going from a conducting period to not conducting to not connecting to connecting yeah. will have a certain rise time to it. And that could possibly, that edge there can, can create higher ordered harmonics and, uh, and basically high frequency uh, artifacts to that. Huh. Okay. That'll um, make their way into the music. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, uh, or, or disrupt some other circuitry, right? It could okay. be that too. Okay. I mean, it could be, it's creating RF or some, what we call, uh, those engineers call it hash a lot of times back in the day. You know, oh, okay. I mean, you you, you uh, maybe see that, it show up in other areas of the circuit as like as like some spurious noise or something. It like could that. be, okay. yeah. It could be. I mean, there now, are different ways of taming this. But anyways, well, I guess what my my uh, the reason why I brought that up is because a lot of uh, tube power supplies don't suffer from that. Now, a tube is almost um, like a diode, right? Where it can only flow one way, right? Uh, it, these these rectifier tubes are certainly set up that way yes they okay. have the same characteristics but if you look at the the um the transfer function of that device itself uh-huh. the tubes are much softer in the way that they react so they're oh. they're slower in that transition period okay and so what that does is it it removes um the uh susceptibility to to producing that that high frequency. Okay, so um, they're less content. noisy. So they're they're less noisy at high frequency, but still pulling off the same job, right? Still, they, um, they they, they do they do good? pull off. I mean, they make they make uh, they make DC. Yeah, uh, there's okay. certainly no argument about that. Yeah, um, they're less efficient. Okay, they're, they they're higher resistant. Uh, they have a higher resistance, and so what that means is that when you pull more cur- current through them, they produce more heat. Which also means that they drop more voltage. Yeah. And they produce a lot more heat. Okay. So, what that means is you need more voltage before the tube rectifier versus the solid state. You, um, you're going to produce more heat, uh, and throw more power into the actual rectifying device itself versus having a solid state, um, silicon, uh, rectifier. Um, the reason why I say silicon is because back in the day, you know, they used like germanium. I've heard about that, that. actual. Oh, I have a, I had an amp where I was looking that up and they said, you know, was it selenium or ger- geranium? But it was one of those where it I was like. It was germ- I might be wrong. No, you, I, you, I might be wrong about that. I've, I think I've heard of selenium, but anyway. Well, don't quote me on Somebody that, was I've like, never... <laughs> if, if it starts smelling bad. Get rid of it. It means it's start gone. Smelling bad. It's gone bad, and and it's actually bad for you, like to 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 be, you know, okay. emitting something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm pulling those. There's out really of my... no reason to use those type of, you know, uh, uh, rectifiers now. Selenium um, rectifiers. I know I've heard of. Them. Are are they okay? I I'll might... look up germanium really quick. Sure. I um. Anyway. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really know to be honest with you. I there's no reason not to use silicon. <laughs> nope. Germanium rectifier diode for sure. Okay. Well, anyway, um, so so so, uh, so you know the tube rectifier. Uh, that's probably one of the things that people hear. That you know, I know I have I've certainly heard it. There's a magic. Um, Pe- when people you, love tube rectification. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. There's, there's, there's five fours or the or other thing you have to remember is that for a lot of tube power supplies, the um, the voltage is high, and so the that slope 
the, where the the re- the diode is climbing up to mm-hmm. is much greater, mm. and so the the problems of the overshoot and some of the the ringing effect uh, could possibly be worse when you're dealing with 300 volts versus 30 volts or, okay. or 15 volts that or makes 5 sense. volts. That makes sense. So so the, all the parasitics of that device start to act uh, act more because you might see like a there, the rise time that you have to go there to yeah. go from an off state to an on state, it's a hell of a lot further between zero volts and 300 volts than zero volts and five volts. Yeah. And so all the, the time-related issues become much greater when you're dealing with high voltage. So okay. maybe that's a reason because I, you know, uh, dealing and implementing like a tube rectifier at 20 volts doesn't even make sense because you like, you would need like 60 volts in and then you get 20 volts, measly volts out. Right. Because of all the, the, um, the resistance of the actual tube itself. You're, you need the 60 in order to consistently hit 20. Yeah. And then are you burning off the rest of that when you're not needing the rest of uh, that? Sure you are. Yeah. yeah. Right in, it, it's going into heat, heat. into the device. So you're developing a lot of heat, just yep. wasted electricity. That's right. Okay. Um, and then there's this other phenomenon that happens with tube rectifiers where you can actually set up the resonance of the input um, filter that's coming from the rectifier um, so that the ripple is a perfect sine wave. Okay. What that does is, you know, a sine wave is very fundamental in its, its characteristic. So it doesn't have many harmonics associated with the wave. No, it's a perfect yeah. curve. So it's seen as something easy to tame and very yeah. innocuous. Yeah. Um, and so and so that's a whole nother thing. Honestly, I've never gotten to that level, but I work with some people who who know how to implement a tube power supply so that cool. Um, its ripple is is purely uh, a sine wave. Uh oh. Okay, I see what you mean. Okay, so so it's a more simple and manageable ripple yeah, it's just that the, you can if it's at 120 hertz. Out. Yeah, it would yeah. just be 120 hertz sine wave with very small second and third harmonics. Gotcha. It's much more, you know, um, well, it's it's just more innocuous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. The uh, so so All then right. then you could also have, of course, everything we talked about with the rec um, regulators. Yeah. Can possibly d- be done with tubes. I mean, I don't think I need to flesh it out more than that. It's just, if you take your solid state devices, you make circuit modifications, you replace all the solid state devices with the, with the, with tubes, you could easily make a a rectifier using vacuum tubes. Now I've heard uh, people really talk about loving the sound of tube rectification. Um, Steve talks about tube regulation and I haven't heard as many people say, oh, you know, this thing's tube regulated. Uh, that's what, you know, it's, it sounds so good. So that, that seems to be more of a, maybe a, a, just a functional thing. Like if you are doing a tube circuit and you've got those voltages there for rectification, why not just use tube regulation? What's your take on that? Well, you're dealing with the same issues the tube is going to have a lot more series resistance in its past device. It's going to have a, a heater 
<laughs> right, it has that's something heater. we haven't even right. talked about. Is so even the the so rectifier you have a separate winding of the power supply for the heater, and it's got to be either DC or AC, and then you've got to deal with that, right? Like, yeah, a lot of times they'll stick with AC. AC just just because I mean, you know, regulating that you're you're dealing with a whole separate power supply, separate power just supply for just power for supply. the heaters. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and so um, that's something we didn't talk about. Is remember that the, even the rectifier tube has a heater, a heater. or a filament, right? Yeah, uh, there's there are DHT type Direct of recti- right. rectifiers. Right. Um, uh, there are indirectly heated type of rectifiers, and then for your if you wanted to make um, a regulator uh, with vacuum tubes, you would also have to heat those tubes as well. So basically, losses go way up. Heat goes way up. Okay, like two full tube power supply. There's going to be wind coming off of it. Yeah. So can only imagine. we've gone from the extremes here, from from something like a switch mode power supply that can run really cool, really cool. efficiency, very small, between seventy five and ninety percent efficiency, to a dreadful uh, but beautiful sounding tube uh, power supply that gotcha. may be fifteen percent efficient. Gotcha. Okay, so so we've gone through um what is the linear power supply how does it work what are the components what is the switch mode power supply how does it work what are the components what is uh tube regulation what is tube rectification um what let's get into but i guess before we we start to wrap this up and get into our album recommendation which is a killer one this week um what what are the sonic like like why choose one i guess we're getting into why let's you know we try to be um have opinions but not be super opinionated so so in that like uh you know vein or in in that spirit what like what's why would somebody want um one over the other um sound wise i guess i mean i guess we kind of kind of got into that a little bit with the noise yeah i mean you know there are the thing about a switch mode power supply is that you have the you have the capability of cleaning that up and you have the capability of uh fixing it um but innately it is producing noise um where the the linear power supply, its noise is generally l- low in frequency, which is easier to deal with and easier to tame. Yeah. Um, or just easier to live with than, um, than RF noise that can cause all sorts of problems, interference with your components. You can have an amplifier. Let's say you have an, a power amplifier and you feed it a... Um, a, 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 f- you power it via a switch mode power supply. That amplifier, let's say that it's a linear power supply, a linear amplifier. The switch mode power supply could send noise, which is a part, a product of its switching characteristics, to that output stage, that power amplifier. And the power amplifier could intermodulate and start to produce. Uh, it could produce frequencies that you can hear through the speakers. It would start to make all sorts of weird sounds because it would start to actually, the, the intermodulate, intermodulation products of that noise would be in the audio band. I've heard of intermodulation distortion. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I guess one of my 
one thing that I do want to make clear and, and um, I'm willing to say is that uh, one misconception that I had when I was starting out as an engineer was that switchmill power supplies, because they operated at such a high frequency, that they were really clean in the audio band and they were really clean um, you know, in the low frequency. Because all that noise way, is way up there. Yeah, it was like way yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, like it's way up there. It's way above human hearing. So maybe we, yeah, we do what we can to tame it, but but it's it's out of the range. So who cares? Um, due to basically every component of the chain being very non-linear and um, having the capability and the capacity to uh, have intermodulation occur, mm-hmm. um, uh, you cannot think that way. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> that high frequency uh, completely, um, it does some horrible things to your system. Um, it can, I've heard it ruin sound. And so mm-hmm. I guess what my point is, is that the uh, both systems need to be optimized. Um, yeah. Uh, switch mode power supplies can possibly be pretty bad. Um, which is the reason why I think a lot of people they get really cheap wall warts with their stuff. Yep. That that stuff is noisy. It's cheap. They replace it with a good quality linear solution, and they get better sound. They get lower noise, and you know there's no mystery there. Um, but it, it is possible to make a um, it, you know a switch mode power supply low noise. And, you know there's 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 companies out there doing right it right here. now. I just have one in my hand here that I picked up for a device that I want to upgrade the power supply to. Um, this is um, a company called iFi IFI, um, and they're producing a switch mode power supply that has one microvolt um, output noise. I guess it's it's probably RMS output noise on it, which is pretty low. You know, it's going to be. It's going to be um, lower than most. So uh, a switch mode power supply is that a twelve so, volt supply? Um, they a, come in. Uh, sorry, they come in uh, five volts, nine volts, twelve volts, and fifteen volts. You have to order the specific voltage. So it could be fifteen but, volts of output with only one microvolt of noise. That's that mm-hmm. sounds pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I um I do want to uh, make a shout out to this company. They they uh, I think they make some high quality stuff. My my close friend uh, John yeah. Curl um, does a little bit of work for them, and uh, and really swears on their engineering. and And so I picked up one of their power supplies. I'm gonna maybe I'll let you guys know what I think about it. But um, you talk to John all the time. What? Uh, so I didn't know. So he did do some work with with iFi. There, yes, so. he has. Yeah. Right. Well, we want to have him on the podcast at some point. Uh, oh sure, John. John. Here's, here's, here's some of these stories about his days with the Grateful Dead. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, I love John. He's a very uh, knowledgeable guy and, and just, um, well, it's just, I mean, complete legend. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, okay, so so what we, what we learned in learning about these things is that a properly designed, uh, with, with an eye toward audio, you know, linearity and, and um, lack of intermodulation distortion and purity in the audio band can be done. Um, but, but by the nature of a switching mode power supply, it's difficult. It, it kind of requires tons of research and a bunch of, bunch of effort going in. And that's not always what happens with switch modes because also by their nature, they're made to be small. They're made to be kind of a easy solution. They're made to be, you know, 
And so, so a lot of the wall boards that you see aren't aren't like that. Right now, we could see linear power supplies also uh, skimping on parts, not having a lot of great storage, having uh, poor regulation, maybe. poor regulation, yeah. lots of series resistance to see the voltage, and they just don't kind of do mm-hmm. what the best linear power supplies can do. So yeah. everything being equal, if I wanted, uh, you know, uh, I didn't have to worry about the size. I didn't have to worry about the efficiency. I didn't have to worry about um, the standby power. I didn't have to worry about um, the uh, the line harmonics on the input. I didn't have to worry about the money. Um, and it was all performance. Um, I, I do have to say that that linear pulls you go ahead. with linear. Yep. Um, yep. But I don't take that as a generalization. There are plenty of right. great products out there, like this iFi gotcha. supply, right. that are doing it well, and they have they have uh, uh, really high quality designs. Um, Bruno Putzi has uh, awesome uh, switchman power supplies that are kind of audio grade as far as the noise for. Hmm. For the high pack stuff, yeah, I was going to um, say he's ice, the high pack guy. Ice right? power makes yeah. great audio, great. So it's like yeah. you know, it's it's. There's a lot of these power supplies where you you buy a component. Let's say you buy like a mini DSP, and it comes with a random wall wart right. with it. Um, the problem is, is that that's a. It's not necessarily audio grade in the sense that it's high noise, <laughs> right? But anything that's designed by someone like Bruno or or Ice Power for for switch from a power supplies. Um, is going to be audio grade in the sense that it meets some sort of of level of RMS noise. Yeah, and yeah, so it is to possible to noise. make good quality gotcha. um, switch mode power supply. So I do think that there's at this uh, even though you know linears can be probably the best performing overall. I do think that people have um, they've given it a bad rep, hmm. um, and that that switch modes can possibly be pretty good too. Is that uh? Is that power supply going to be for your mini DSP for your subs? Um, this is actually I do want to eventually buy one for that, but this is actually for a side a side project right now. Oh, okay, cool. Um, cool. And so it's actually getting a um, an uh, a balanced uh, digital output, like a uh, AES EBU connection directly to DAX, so that I can listen to multiple DAX at the same. Oh, time. Oh yeah, you told me about that. Yep. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, All right, cool. Anyways, oh, uh, one one last, I guess. Yeah. Um, really quick, um, gotta give a shout out to uh, a listener uh, named Thad. He's um, with Boiler Brewing Company, actually in in Lincoln, Nebraska. But he's been reaching out to me, let me know how um, how much he likes the show, and uh, and actually he was talking. To, he was excited that we were going to talk about uh, power supplies because. He's uh, planning to get a linear power supply for his phono stage. Okay. Um, now, if you, if you currently have a switch mode power supply for your phono stage, and you had the choice between um, a, a, a really low noise iFi switch switching power supply like this one, mm-hmm. or or a linear power supply, and by the by that I mean, gosh, fill in the blank because it's it's hard to say. Okay, this one it was designed incredibly. No, um, let's just let's just say, you know, a pretty well designed linear power supply. What like what's the benefit? Is, is there even more of a benefit with with a phono stage because of the amount of gain that it's doing? Yeah, um, my my answer would be uh, it probably would be better to go with the linear power supply. It's going to be it's going to be more money than fifty bucks for yeah. for the for a linear that's going to power the 
the whole power supply, it's probably yeah. going to be more than than fifty. I'm not I'm not completely sure, but but I would guess that it would be a little bit more than that. Um, yeah. Uh, so you're going to pay a little bit more. Um, the box is going to be larger. It, it might be the size of the, the actual... Same um, as a Phonopri. Phonopri, yeah. yeah, at that point. Um, but generally, it's going to throw less noise back into your line. It's going to... There's going to be less noise in your in your system. Um, you know, the, the high performance option is to probably go linear, Can but I it's going linear. to be more money than 50 bucks for... This is 2.5 amps. Output. This is this. Oh wow! Five gonna... volts at two point five. That's pretty. Yeah, it's, it's over a ten watt power supply. That's serious. So it's pretty. It's pretty big, and it doesn't. It doesn't weigh much. No, I picked it um, up. In fact, for this tube headphone amplifier that I, I made, they were reg- recommending um, laptop switching supplies be- only because the current was big enough. Mm-hmm. But but this thing cranks out as much as you would ever need for that. Yeah, that headphone yeah, amp so- that I built. So. Yeah, exactly. Goodness, so, I you know, it's, it's a that. little bit still exactly what we've talked about. There's pros and cons. You may not be wanting to spend the 150 bucks on the linear that's really clean and, and a really nice linear power supply. It might be slightly better than this in the sense of sending out even, you know, less by interference its nature, by into its your, the rest of your system and yeah. just generally lower noise. But this is pretty good. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. I mean, like it, it, if at 50 bucks, you might want to even just try something like this. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's probably going to be better than whatever switch mode thing came with your oh, phone for, stage. I, yeah. I, I um, if it's just from knowing iFi, they do a really good job and they have these incredibly interesting, like niche products that are just like this thing, this thing, USB, you know, re-regulation or, or I don't mm. know, this kind of stuff. So I, I've always so, been a fan of them. Yeah, I would say cool. it's it's a difficult question. I mean, if if there's no money involved, I would, I would definitely say linear would pull linear. ahead. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, this has been a real techie one, and I'm so glad that we, we got into it. I just love, so you can tell, I learn a lot from um, just chatting with Darren um, over the years, we, we've been doing a lot of like hikes in the outdoors and going fishing and stuff. And we always talk about audio and I am always learning. And, uh, and so hopefully today, uh, you guys learned a bit about these things that basically the foundation of, of what we love, these products that modulate these small signals into the signals that we listen to and, and have such a say over what it eventually sounds like. And, and, uh, hopefully that's, that's been made a lot We've been uh, we've been clearer. drinking this electric cowboy, electric cowboy from D Bolt Brewing in in Denver. I really like it. You know, it's a it's, it's, it's my kind new of favorite. Medium um, in in the um, the IBU. It's not eighty five. Super. It's not super high. So I'm I'm. Um, you know me. I like my old standby is the blue cans from Melvin Brewing in Wyoming, um, Alpine. Is it Alpine? No, Alpine, Wyoming is the town. Melvin mm-hmm. Brewery, and oh, it's yeah. their it's their MPA. I've That's actually um, I've been taking a break from that and going to this, and this is kind of like kicking my butt right now, and uh, and it's all I ever need. West yeah, Coast, yeah, I, I really like it. It's really well balanced, kind of medium medium yeah. body. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not super malty. I, I'm not a big fan of malt. Um, it's really kind of hop forward, but there's there's some malt in there, but it's it's clear and it's that's great sure um all right um, all right so uh, i think it's about that time uh the, the album, album time recommendation yeah do you want to talk about it um, um no you can okay hit us off here 
Today's album recommendation is fantastic. It actually came to me from uh, one of my favorite guitarists in this area. His name is Eric Wiggs. He's the lead guitarist of Masontown. And uh, Eric actually has a brand new CD out. Um, so if you, I believe you go to ericwiggs.com, you will find this CD. One of my favorite things to do is, uh, is get recommendations from my uh, music Fan, uh, musician friends. Now, I've spent many years uh, recording music in the area, and so I actually know a lot of like local bands, and um, and I follow them all on Instagram. And I'm telling you, it's it's some of the best way to get really good music is to follow some local musicians that you really ap- appreciate because they're always listening to music. They're always sharing. Eric's Eric's latest album is called Vermilion Road. And uh, and it's solo guitar and it's fantastic. Um, but anyway, Eric posted on his Instagram and and this album that's not brand new, um, but it's it's um, what was it, 2012 or something? I'm looking at. Uh, anyway, the artist's name is Lionel Lukey. Uh, he's uh, an African guy. He's from a country called uh, Benin. Benin. Benin, probably. Um, and this album is called HH. Now he has played, he has toured with Herbie Hancock as part of his band. Um, he's, he's been on the road with so many different people. Chick Corea, I think he's on the road right now with Chick Corea. He's going to, Mm -hmm. um, and, and he's worked with some just absolute stunning greats. Um, but this album is called HH because it is all Herbie Hancock covers. Um, it was released in, oh, actually it says it was released this year. So this might be, this might be a, a modern album. Now, so, you yeah, know, my favorite, so. my favorite, uh, covers when, when artists like cover co- songs, my favorite covers are covers that are ambitious, but then pull it off and exceed expectations. Yeah. Right. So like if you're going to cover Watermelon Man, you know, like if you're like, going to cover on solo guitar a, <laughs> a, a legendary keyboardist's compositions, fusion jazz artists, yeah, y- y- you better bring it, right? Yeah, exactly. So now, from the first note, you're going to recognize this is an audiophile level album. It, it, I've been putting it on all kinds of cool systems. Today, I put it on Vandersteen Model Five A's, and I was just drinking it in. Um, but it's one way to really show off your system. Um, is this album yeah i think he does he does a spectacular job and just uh i appreciate just kind of the how again how ambitious a lot of the covers are but that it just works like you listen to it and you're just like damn i like this yeah yeah you were talking about watermelon man now i'm yeah. not as as versed in in um herbie hancock oh, you gotta as listen i need to, that. to be as i you should gotta be. listen to the original okay i'm gonna the, do that the, the original one it it I remember it was like one of the first uh, songs I heard on SACD multi-channel actually back oh, in the day. Okay. okay. Um, because they would do the panning. It has it starts off with this really like cool like fusion jazz thing like, and like oh, it goes okay. through all the speakers oh, and, and it okay. kind of pans from the front to the back and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Anyways, you'll okay. hear that kind of um, him hinting to that original line in this song when he covers it. Okay. But it's um. I just thought I was really blown away when I saw that name up there. I was like, no way that this guy, this, this guy's like, trying you know, to, kind yeah. of uh, this like instrumental guitarist 
gonna cover watermelon man i wow. think it's ambitious but it, he pulled it off pulls he it off he damn well did yeah you put it on i, I what i love been it just enjoying doing is starting from beginning to end and just doing it's another one of those that i just listened to all the way mm. through but i'm glad you pointed that one out because whenever that's on there's all these there's vocal elements to it too and and really close you know intimate miking it's it's just so it sounds so cool um so his Lionel is the is a normal spelling. Uh, Lukey is spelled L O U E K E. And again, we're gonna have this on the section of our podcast or our website called albums or recommended listening. You can see it from the front page. But um, you know, if you ever miss, if you're listening to this later, and we've got a different one featured on the front, just go to the up at the top right on the you know in in the kind of menu area see albums click on that you're going to see all of these uh albums that we recommended this one's going to be going to be up there um it's just a guy kind of sitting on a on a chair here with a guitar across his yeah, lap white so. album yeah yep. cool well uh enjoy that and process that and uh we'll be here next week to to you know answer another question talk about another broad topic and yep. uh, and give you another album recommendation and so, drink more beer. <laughs> um, I, I you know we both really uh, appreciate the support and uh, the yeah. the response great has been feedback. really great and and people are enjoying this so we're going to continue with it because we we really enjoy doing it and yeah uh, I saw a comment saying that uh, sometimes these these audio kind of show things pop up and then they kind of fall away based on um, you know. Uh, just over ability time. over stop, time stop to, doing to do it. this yeah well here's the thing with darren and me we started this just basically like doing our weekly walks you know in the or our weekly hikes but but since since kind of the moment we started becoming friends we non-stop talk about audio yeah like this is this is what we do um and 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 our lives have kind of gotten busy and and what this has turned into is a really awesome outlet for us to just chatter about audio exactly so this is not going to end where yep. it's actually my favorite thing <laughs> and um uh to all of you this is oh, i think the ninth uh episode that we've released but we've actually done 16 of these or something we did a bunch of yeah bunch of sessions just kind of getting our feet wet and getting used to this format and that kind of yeah thing. we so, we had the first one uh actually in the backyard july 4th was it july 5th it was, uh, it was like just after july because i remember the fireworks, fireworks going yeah, yeah, off yeah. and like we were like oh god right um but, so uh, anyways it's been it's been great the the response has been awesome and i i really appreciate um all the listeners if you if you're listening and you hear what uh, you like what you've heard please hit the subscribe button yeah and uh and make sure to follow us but and uh, send us a question if you've got anything that you want uh darren to explain in detail and me to kind of moderate or get some commentary on <laughs> from my perspective but all right guys well we'll see you next week all right thanks for listening bye, bye. The Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan is produced by Darren Myers and Duncan Taylor and is copyright 2020 of Slope Productions. The intro and outro music is provided by Denver's Color Red Studios. It features the song Bangs by the band Many Colors.